All right, I am now sufficiently watered. Maybe I will grow. Uh, we are now at the fourth and final installment of my little series on prayer. And uh, it is in um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And I, I know that you've seen already that if it's just one or two verses, don't worry, it won't be short. Although it might be today. Um, this one is a, a challenging one for me, and you'll, you'll see why in a minute. Let's read that verse, verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Great verse, right? Great verse. Lead us not into temptation. It's kind of a hard one for me, and you're going to see why in a minute. But I've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, if you are a parent or a grandparent, um, would you raise your hand with me, please? Okay. I've got uh, questions for you. You don't have to answer them out loud. So I think we would call these rhetorical questions in order to make us think. So parents, would you ever knowingly lead your children or your grandchildren into temptation? Would you ever do that? If I'm not seeing heads do like this, there's something wrong out there. Either you didn't hear me or you didn't get it, but... Would you ever lead your children or your grandchildren into temptation? Now, parents, we are all sinners, right? So, even the best of intentions, the strongest commitment to do only the right things for our children, we do sometimes fail them. And in my particular case, I am sure that I have failed them in ways that I now know. And I've had opportunities to continue to build on my relationships with my children by confessing that to them and asking them to forgive me, which they always have. Uh, my son Jeff, once when I did this, he said, oh yeah, but dad, I don't remember any of that stuff. That is forgiveness. So even when we don't know, we haven't deliberately done it, we don't know we've done it, and all those kind of things, would you agree with me that sometimes it happens, we fail our children, but lead them into temptation deliberately? Absolutely not. You know, in the first commandment, uh, part of what... Uh, God said through Moses to Israel was that uh, he would visit the iniquities of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. And I have read stories and heard stories of people who have, who have just corrupted themselves and they want to corrupt their children in the same way. I know it's rare. I know it's hard for you to imagine. My parents were not believers, but they were good parents. And they never would have purposely or deliberately led me astray. So there's something baked into us, and yet some have denied it. But the gospel in that section is this. 
visiting his favor to thousands of generations who love him. Second and third generation, thousands of generations. We love the Lord. But Jesus isn't really talking about parents, is he? He's talking about his Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Who is our Father as well. Not just Jesus' Father. He's our Father. And we have him as our Father by faith. He is the Father who has created us. He is the Father who has loved us and cherished us from before we were ever born. He knew us before then and he's cherished us. And it doesn't matter what we've done or where we've been or the things that we, where we came from or any of those things. He loves us and cherishes us. And his whole plan for our lives is centered around sanctification. It's about changing us and making us holy like he is holy and like his son Jesus is holy. So my next question, is it even possible for our Father in heaven to lead us into temptation? That one you can answer. No. It's not possible. So if it's not possible for God to tempt us, or to lead us into temptation, why in the world is Jesus saying, pray this? Pray, lead me not into temptation. You know, James 1 says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. There's something baked into this little prayer that doesn't have to do with God leading me astray. It has to do with me and my weakness and being lured away from his ways by me. So that's baked in here. And I'll tell you, I have struggled with this because I'm struggling with what we read in our English Bibles and what is God really saying? When Jesus said, pray this prayer, what is he really saying? Well, this is going to get a little technical and I hope you'll bear with me because I've been searching for explanation on this all week. I didn't find a single commentary that spoke to it clearly uh, I did, however, discover a little something in the Greek language. All of the other petitions or little prayers in the Lord's Prayer are in the imperative. Now, we're not going to command God to do anything, right? So when we are praying in the imperative, it is a prayer of faith with complete and total confidence that God not only can but will make his name holy. He will bring his kingdom on earth and he will have his will done on earth just as it is in heaven. And you can go through all of these things. They are the prayer of faith, complete and total confidence. God is up to this and he will do it. This one, however, it's in a totally different kind of verb. 
It's called subjunctive, forget that word. But what it means is doubt. It brings a sense of doubt along with it. So am I doubting God? You know, a lot of people read this that God, well, he might lead me into temptation and then I'm cooked because I'm weak. No, the doubt is about me. See, we have to look at the whole of scriptures to understand the things that don't make sense to us. And we've just done some of that. Later on in Matthew, some in James. God is not going to tempt us. So I need him to lead me in a way that I will not be tempted. That's the point of this. I wish it said it that way. It doesn't. I wrote down a couple of thoughts on it. Uh, let me not be led into temptation. That brings the negative aspect to it, brings the temptation, brings the leading. And yet, when you consider that in there, the whole idea of doubt, because will I really follow that leading? It is a strange thing, but I'm convinced that this is a plea for protection. Lead me in a way that I am surrounded by you and I will not end up in a place where I will be tempted. And you think about it, most of the temptations come when I've gone to a place where I don't belong. Most of my failures is because I've gone to a place either inside or literally gone in, the, um, in, my, in my body to a place where I don't belong. Lead me so that I won't be tempted. Lead me so that I will avoid those places, those ideas, those thoughts, those images. Lead me so that those things won't tempt me, which usually means don't go there. That's the kind of leading that we need. You know, we see a little bit of this in, in Psalm 119. Betty helped me with this uh, the other day. In, in verse 37, Psalm uh, 119, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. That's the writer of this psalm saying pretty much the same thing. Turn my eyes from the images that cause me to be tempted. Turn my eyes from the stuff that tempts me to buy what I should not buy or take on debt that I don't need to take on. That I might, and give me life in your ways. Verse 17, same psalm. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. This is his word. I was uh, with somebody the other day and she was uh, counseling someone uh, who was having a hard time and the counsel that went back and forth all the time, the whole time is read the word. When you are in a place when you don't know what to do and you don't know where to go, read the word. And it's not like she was homeless. But she was tempted to in ways and doubting in ways that she had no need to. Read 
the word. And here's a little bit of what I was thinking about the positive side of lead me. You'll recognize this. It is in Psalm 23, verses 3 and 4. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. That's what he wants. He wants to lead us in righteousness. And here's the psalmist saying, it's happening. He is leading me right now today in paths of righteousness. Not necessarily my righteousness. You know, what did, what did Paul say in Philippians? My, my righteousness is as filthy rags. Anything that I can do on my own, it really doesn't have a lot of value. Might help a little. But here, it's about his righteousness. Lead me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then he goes on by saying, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Sometimes when we're saying things to people and we're not sure if they're following, we say, you with me? Well, God isn't saying, are you with me? He's saying he is with us. Leading us, not into temptation. And he's putting us in a place where we have no fear. No fear of failure, no fear of temptation if we're walking with him, if we are following him in the paths of righteousness, which is the only way he will ever lead us. And even though we do sometimes end up in the valley of the shadow of death, it might not be because I made a big mistake. It might just be because that's part of my life sometimes. I have often talked about the dark night of the soul. And I'm sure that that's what this is part of. Sometimes we just go through times which are darkness, which are hard for us, which, where we don't know what to do. And even if we're there, even the shadow of death, death of a loved one, maybe our own, I will fear no evil because you are with me. That is the kind of leading that God does. That's God's kind of leading. And it is the leading that I need, and I literally need no more. He follows this up by saying, but deliver us from evil. Um, you know, we could ask, what does that mean? And we would all have something to say about that. And very likely, they would all be right. So I've looked at other translations. Some of them say, like this one, deliver us from evil. Um, others say, the evil one. In the Greek, it says, the evil, the evil. Deliver me from the evil. Evil is an adjective. Both languages. So it is legitimate in Greek to make that into a noun, and that becomes evil one. But the other one is also legitimate. It's less so in my, in my particular point of view. You can take out the definite article at times and say, you know, deliver us from evil. 
But as I've gone through this again and again and again, and once again found no comments that were really worthy of bringing into this message, I've realized that this is deliver me from everything that is evil, everything that may in some way corrupt my soul. That might be the devil, the evil, evil one. It might be other people, and you know them. People that really don't want you to be in God's ways. I grew up with that. Some of you have too. And then there is the whole evil thing, the fact that we live in a sin-broken world. It is full of evil, and it rubs off. talked a, a week or so ago about Jesus washing Peter's feet. And, Peter, you know, and Jesus said, you know, you've bathed, so you, know, you are completely clean. Only your feet need to be cleaned. Why? Because he was believing. He believed in Jesus, trusting him for eternity. It was a kind of a strange kind of faith because Jesus hadn't yet died and risen again, so a lot of the information that he needed uh, or would have, wasn't there yet. But, but Peter believed. You know, months earlier than this, he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He believed. But his feet, walking around in a dirty place, they get dirty. It rubs off. And it happens today. I happen to have shoes on today. Sometimes I wear sandals. I hardly ever go barefoot. But... It doesn't really matter, it's figurative. Sometimes we get dirty just because we live and work in a sin-broken world. Deliver me from that evil too. Deliver me from the devil, the evil, evil one. That's kind of an eternal kind of thing. He's going to take us, not the devil, the Lord. He's going to lead us in paths of righteousness and we are going to end up in his kingdom if we believe in Jesus. And then, you know, deliver me from the evil that people are trying to affect me with. Those that deny everything, those that want to challenge my faith, those that want to dispute it and argue it and all of those kind of things, those that try to trip us up so that we will end up in sin. Deliver me from them. And then deliver me from the sin-broken world. He's not going to take us out. Not until the right time. Deliver me from all evil. The evil. All evil. It is a way in which that... Um, this final little prayer circles us back to the beginning. The focus is entirely on God and what God is doing. God is doing in the eternal sense. God will make his name holy. He will do that in me or not in me, with me, through me, or not. His name will be holy. And there, are, there is no option. And I pray 
that he will make his name holy in me and that he will make his name holy through me into the lives of others. Your kingdom come. You see how this is circling around? Your kingdom come. That's delivering your kingdom into the hearts and souls of people in this life. The only way we can get to heaven is in this life. God gives us grace. He gives us his word and he converts our souls. We can't wait until the end. It will be too late if we have not received his kingdom in this life, we won't get it. It's not about works, it's not about what I do. And I'm not gonna go through them all, but I will say this too. God's will will be done. With me or without me, God's will is gonna be done. Deliver me from the evil. All of it that will prevent me from apprehending And living in that blessed relationship of his grace where his name is being made holy in me and his kingdom has already arrived in me and his will is being done in me and through me. The evil can mess that up. That's why we pray. All seven prayers in that one little thing we call the Lord's Prayer, which really was mislabeled. It ought to be called the Disciples' Prayer. And I don't mean the 12. I mean us. We don't have to pray those specific words, but he's asking us to pray like these words. Holiness, kingdom, his will. Lead me so that I won't be tempted. And deliver me from the evil. Father, thank you for these great words. Thank you for allowing us to dig into them a little deeper than we sometimes do. And thank you, Lord, that you have exposed to us the true nature of our relationship through these seven little prayers. A relationship that is governed by grace and love and kindness and one that never wants to let us go and one that will never deliberately lead us into temptation and one that will assuredly deliver us from evil. In your name, amen. I should have mentioned that that last little prayer, deliver us from evil, was once again in the imperative, praying with faith and complete confidence. It's going to happen. Again and again, he will deliver.